Doctor. I'm a Time Lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castelbereth. I hope the ears are a bit less conspicuous this time. You might be a Doctor, but I am... I'm a doctor. That's probably not the one you expect. Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to start? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Bigger on the Inside, the new Who Doctor Who Watch Long podcast. I mean, I'm completely out of breath because we're late. We're late again, Harry. So I've been non-stop running. I know. I ran as fast as I could, but like, I was missing trains. I was missing buses. Um... <laughs> It was a mess getting here. It is. Apologies for being late. Basically what happened is I left my headphones in the car and the car was in a garage. I couldn't get to the garage to save my headphones. So that's why the episode is late. Um, I do want to say that thank you to everybody who's watched the 200 subscribers special. It's obviously still out, so you can go back and watch it. It's got, um, I mean, we may as well say, um, Dominic Martin, the Hoovian Chaser, appears, and so does Ace Creeper and a few other Dotsu YouTubers as well if you want to go check that out. I thought it was really good fun. It's very chilled out sort of video. There's no real structure, but there's a we talk about a few things that are coming up in there, and yeah, I think it's good fun, wouldn't you say, Harry? Yeah, it's a good time. It's a good time. Um, I I mean, it's amazing that um, you managed to get all those people, um, you know, big you know names in the whole Doctor Who sphere to uh, you know do their bit for us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, go and check them out as well. Not that I like the way we try and promote them, like they need it. <laughs> if you guys haven't heard of Hoofy and Chaser, you should definitely go check them out. It's very well, much worth your time. <laughs> I can't imagine there's anyone subscribed to us who isn't subscribed to Hoofy and Chaser. Yeah. Um, I also want to say if you go over to our Twitter at Bigger on the Pod, I want to say you can catch a 30 second clip of my interview with Miranda Raisin, who played Tallulah in the Doctor Who two part. Uh, uh, Daleks in Manhattan and Evolution of Daleks that, that won't be coming out for a little while but the interview was so fun I couldn't resist not sharing that little short clip with, with um, everybody on Twitter it was a really good fun interview I'm, I'm very excited to listen to the full thing once it releases yeah definitely because I, there's some, some stuff that isn't recorded in the interview that I might mention afterwards that I told Harry about that was rather exciting <laughs> hmm, yeah well you know if, we, if any of it gets a, yeah. a green light then yeah. Uh, what else do we have? We're light on news this week, guys. There isn't much news, so we're going to go over the one piece of news that came out this week, and then I'm bringing back a popular segment, and then we're going to go into a slight topic we're going to do before everybody goes into the watch long. So the only real bit of news we've had this week is the fact that Alex Kingston has wrote a River Song book, and Harry, I know you're very excited about this. Why do you say that in a sarcastic <laughs> tone? Have I, I indicated that. that I'm not a fan of Alex Kingston? Oh, no, I like no. Alex Kingston. Yeah, she's great. I just it's sort of it's exciting news, but it's almost it's also nothing news at the same time. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, outside of I know uh, back in the day, Tom Baker wrote a couple of Doctor Who stories that I don't think were ever were only eventually aired well, published through novels. Other than Tom Baker, is Alex Kingston the only person to both write for and act in Doctor I uh, just remembered Mark Gatiss. I just yeah. remembered Mark Gatiss as I was saying that. Uh, Mark Gatiss, Alex Kingston, Tom Baker very recently as well. 
And I think one of the masters had a go as well, but I couldn't tell you which one. It wasn't a new Who master. Uh, yeah, Alex Kingston. It was Margatus again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Ruby's Curse of River Song Melody, Melody Malone Mystery. Um, I've got a quote here from Alex Kingston. Having absolutely no idea of the journey I will be taking with River Song when I first uttered those words, Hello, sweetie. I cannot begin to express how excited I am to be able to continue not only River, but Melody's adventures on the written page. A sassy private detective and a time-travelling archaeologist joining forces to solve a mystery. What's not to love? Exclamation mark, question mark. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. I very much doubt I would. I will be reading it because I'm not a big reader of books, especially Doctor Who books. I don't know, I've just never really got into them. I'm currently reading Ready Player Two and I'm having issues with that. I think I'm quite critical of books because I'm not a big book fan. Any book I pick up I'm instantly uh analyzing. What's your problem with books? Uh, I don't I don't, know, I don't I, mean like in a I don't mean in an aggressive <laughs> way, like what's your problem with books, mate? Like why do you find books a struggle? Um I don't know. I do enjoy reading a book. I'm not a book it's finding the time there's other stuff I would rather do than read a book. Mm. Uh, Ready Player Two, the reason I'm I'm enjoying it, because I enjoyed the first book, so I feel excited to read the continuation of the characters, but it's been a while since I read that first book, and now I've sort of been able to sort of see the problems that people had with the first book, so now when it comes to reading the second problem, there's uh, so reading the second book, there's problems are much more in my face. <laughs> That's interesting, because my understanding was that Ready Player Two did a lot to try and address issues that people had with the first book my issue with uh, like, I, I literally am like three chapters in so I'm not really in a position to talk about the full book but my issue with it is oh, that okay. there is a lot of stuff in it where I'm like why is he telling us this this has got nothing, to, and it's Klein anyway this has got nothing to do with the book like there's a thing where they're talking about different warning systems I think and it's like, and the main character's like and we're on warning three which means this and then warning two which means this and warning one which means this and warning zero, which means this. I'm like, we don't need to know what two, one, and zero. We only need to know what warning number three is because that's what it's. You know what I mean? There's a lot of, and yeah. it's it's also like, mm. and my pa- like, uh, uh, as I enter my password, which is the quote from this movie, which was released in 1985 and was directed by Robert Zemeckis and was based off his childhood favorite film. And it goes on. I'm like, hey, what, what's going on here? All <laughs> oh, right, I see. I yeah. see. So it's about. There's just a lot of okay. waffle. So moving back to <laughs> So moving back to Alex Kingston's book, um correct me if I'm wrong, is um so my understanding is that the uh character within the book is River Song's alter ego, what's it called? Melody Malone, yeah. Is that the protagonist of that book from Angels of Manhattan that was then revealed to be River Song? Look, <laughs> I want to say yes, but I don't know because it's been it's been a while since I've watched that series. Once when we get in the watchdog segment and we get to series five, series five onwards, it's all going to be almost brand new to me because I can't remember. For what I remember is that River Song it wrote was, a book. It was series the, seven, was it? River Song wrote a yeah, book so we have in the series about a character called Melody Malone, and I don't. But I also remember River Song in the show being dressed up as Melody Malone. But how could she when she's a fictional character? But was she? I don't know. <laughs> I do not know. I couldn't tell you. 
I mean, my main thing is I'm curious if the uh, story which we're going to be that actually was published is meant to be the story that Amy was reading in uh, that episode. That would be cool to actually publish a fictional mm. universe book. Yeah, because I remember that they did a whole thing where at the end of that episode there was a foreword in that novel written by Amy for the Doctor, and be kind of a cool bit of kind of world building if they put that in the book that yeah. Alex Kingston publishes. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Think, I like stuff like that. And I think a lot... I don't know. I'm not saying Doctor Who fans would prefer that, but I think cosplayers would. Cosplayers would love that. <laughs> I mean, imagine it's a whole thing, like, people love, like, these properties, and people love, like, buying stuff from those worlds. Like, you know, I couldn't begin to imagine how many, um, like, versions of the One Ring from Lord of the Rings have been manufactured. Yeah. <laughs> my people always my people really love a world and its characters they want to own a bit of it yeah. so if this was not just a book but also a part of the world of doctor who yeah i can imagine you know that's like you know a, a double incentive to buy because yeah. you're getting like a cool thing from doctor who world and you're getting like you know a great new uh novel from alex kingston yeah but yeah i know what you mean it's like i love back to the future i don't know if you've seen it but in my back home my family home I have like all my collection of Back to the Future stuff and I have Nike Air Mags hoverboards and the Sports Almanac from Back to the Future too. now you open it and it is just blank but if someone were to release an actual version of that that had all the sports results in from the film I'd definitely buy that mm, absolutely I, mean, I remember do you used to actually go out like wearing the futuristic hat I went out once 2015, they did a like the anniversary when, October the 21st, 2015, when it was Back to the Future Day. I went to the cinema with a couple of friends, and I went in the full Martin McFly gear. When I say full Martin McFly gear, I mean I had jeans and a t-shirt, and I put a puffer jacket on, and I wore my hat. But I would, I, I wasn't like I go to conventions quite a lot, but I've never what I would call cosplay. Okay. But think, it sounds like you have enough stuff to do a Mike McFly cosplay. I probably do, but I, I, not to diss and hate on cosplayers, it's just not my thing. I really don't, um, I just don't get it. You'd rather be yourself than yeah. a character. Yeah, it's like I once, at London Comic Con, like three years ago, um, Peter Capaldi was there, we were all queuing up, and there was these guys who were in like properly good Cyberman costumes, like homemade looked amazing and they had their photo taken with Peter Capaldi but when I thought about it I thought well they're going to get that pr- picture printed out but how are they That's how are they, they're going to show it to people and go oh look here I am with Peter Capaldi oh you can't see me because my face is covered by this Cyberman outfit and I was like mm, I don't yeah. really get it it's like I've got a picture with Peter and it, I really love it because we're both just like pointed at the camera and stuff and you can see it's me and him but yeah I don't really I don't understand it and then I see some cosplayers who go on like to Disneyland or places dressed up as or Alton Towers dressed up as Amy and I'm like I don't get it <laughs> I, I don't I just don't I was about it. I was about to say you're not allowed to cosplay at Disneyland yeah well I was gonna alright we're going off tangent a bit well, we've got nothing else to talk about so I, I went to Disney several years ago and there was somebody there dressed up cosplaying as Alice from Alice in Wonderland but she was in the Alice in Wonderland section but she wasn't Disneyland's Alice, and it was it really annoyed me. Well, that's like strictly against the rules. Like that's the very reason why they don't allow adults to cosplay in Disneyland because they yeah. don't want 
people mistaking them for their own cast members and misrepresenting the character of the yeah. park. Maybe she got away with it. Maybe she was... I think she was younger than me at the time, which is maybe how she got away with it. But she must have only okay. been about 14, 15. But when they're made okay, up so to maybe. look like princesses and characters... And the character of Alice is probably around that age. And I hadn't seen the actual official Disney character... I was slightly baffled. I was like, why is she, why is she on a phone? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> it's the new, new, new version of Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. She's doing TikTok dances. Uh, <laughs> no, stop. I, I physically repulsed at that suggestion. <laughs> but what do you think? If you turned up to Disneyland cosplaying Matt Smith's Doctor and someone realised you were dressed up as Matt Swift Doctor, they would probably still let you in because it's not a Disney property. Yeah, that's true. I feel like Disney only care about people, you know, dressing up as their own characters. Yeah. If you came in like well, a full I, I, Shrek I, I, outfit, mm. <laughs> like Shrek and a donkey, <laughs> <laughs> I think they might have a slight problem with that. Uh, well, yeah, because then they'd think it's some kind of like anti-Disney protest, wouldn't they? Universal that's what Studios Shrek is. is Shrek is like a... I mean, honestly, if I went to Florida um, for theme parks, I'd go to Universal because they got they got, they got Shrek, they got Harry Potter. They're soon going to have Nintendo World. Yeah, that looks, like, sick, that looks yeah. sick. I saw the video of the one that's been open in Japan. I want to Japan, say. yeah, in Japan, yeah. and that looks amazing. It looks quite small and condensed because I believe the uni- the theme parks there are actually really small and condensed. But I was like, mm. that looks amazing. But yeah. Um, I went to the theme parks when I was about seven, and even then I was like, "Oh, I prefer Universal Studios." I remember, like, on the last day, like the last full day, like my parents said, "Which one do you want to go back to?" Because we had like, you know, where you buy like the holiday, and you just get passes to go oh, to yeah, each like one the... every day, mm. and they were like, "Okay, we've got like, which one do you want to go back to?" And I think both my parents were like, "I hope he doesn't say Disney," because I feel like. They were like, uh, we're just chasing characters around all day and stuff like that. And when, I suppose they were right. And I think I went, oh no, I want to go back to Universal. It was just, I just preferred it so much. And I think they were quite happy with that. We got to go on the Simpsons ride yep. and see the DeLorean from Back to the Future and Men in Black and all that. It's great. Oh, I also, oh, I just, I sorry, while you were talking about it, I just had like this whole thing of like, oh, what if like one of those, like, big-budget parks, maybe, like, a Doctor Who ride or a Doctor Who... Like, I don't imagine there'd ever be a Doctor Who land. I mean, well, has there ever been to any kind of Doctor Who ride type thing? Well, it's funny you should say that. Um, let me have a look. Um, London Theme Park, BBC. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I read about this on the news the... Uh, literally, it was on the news the other day. Um, I'm trying to find it. I know there are plans... London Resort, the 1st of February. Where's it gone? I've literally just lost it. Oh my goodness, how have I lost that already? London Resort, everything we know. This is by the BBC, the 1st of February. So my understanding is there is a theme park coming to London that was originally possibly going to be a Universal Studios. Um, Mm. But this is meant to be like a rival to um, Disneyland Paris. Hmm. Okay, so I'll read it here. Plans are underway for a huge new theme park on the banks of the River Thames in Kent. The London Resort was first announced nearly 10 years ago and has recently been cleared by the government to move to the next stages. A public inquiry. 
this will take into account the opinions of local people and could take 12 to 18 months. If the development is given the go-ahead, it will be the first major theme park to be built in Europe in nearly 30 years. That's crazy. But not everyone agrees it should happen, and there have been some environmental concerns. Uh, what is the London Resort? I'm trying to look to see what might be coming to it. it does, oh, wow, it is right on the bank of the River Thames, literally like right on it. Um, does that mean they'd have to redo the opening titles to EastEnders? Is it in London? I did not say Kent. Yeah, but like the picture, like the diagram that they've just shown was like right on the bank of the River Thames. Like the recognisable bit of the Thames from yeah. the EastEnders intro? Yeah, yeah, like the Miranda bit. That's, yeah. that's London though, but like that bit's like from over London. Like Kent's like, a, you know, a notable distance from that. Yeah. Uh, the London Resort, I'm still looking here. But yeah, no, I know at one point the BBC were very interested in it, and I think there was like uh, Top Gear, Doctor Who, um, all that kind of stuff was, you know, in the in like the works there. Mm. Um, I'm so I mean, I guess. To... What was you going to say? Sorry. Well, I was thinking like a Doctor Who ride would be very cool. I was thinking about how I would do it, and I imagine. If you were to do and do it, you're gonna do you would do something similar to like say Star Tours, yeah. where it's like a moving thing and like you've got like this 3D display taking you through different iconic locations. But kind of the issues with that in my mind is firstly, if you're on a Doctor Who ride, you'd kind of want it to be a ride in the TARDIS. But when you're in cool. the TARDIS, you can't... But the problem with being in the TARDIS is you can't see what's going on outside except through like little diddy monitors. <laughs> so maybe That's you'd be true. on a separate space. So you'd be on a separate spaceship traveling with the TARDIS. And the second issue of a ride like that is that, of course, they would get actors from the show, including the actor playing the Doctor, to do it. But that would mean they'd have to reshoot it every time they recast a Doctor. That's true. What maybe what they could do is what they did with the Simpsons ride which is that you are being towed, you are following the Simpsons, and then at one point you're getting towed by them. So you could have it that mm-hmm. maybe you're in a spaceship that's broken down and you're being towed by the TARDIS, but the TARDIS is malfunctioning, it's time-travelling, going to all these different worlds, yeah. and you're just being dragged behind it. I've got some um, news on it here if you're interested. Originally known as the London Paramount Entertainment Resort, the project was originally to involve Paramount Pictures, but in June 2017, it announced that Paramount had pulled out of the project and a, pan- and a planned complex was renamed as London Resort. However, in June 2019, London Resort gained the necessary licenses it's still, uh, to still have rides based on Paramount Pictures films. And some of the attractions, the themed lands planned for the park include Starport, the Jungle, the Island, the Kingdom, the Woods, the Studio, and High Street. The BBC, ITV, and Paramount Pictures have been attached to the, pro- uh, to the proposal with the intention of showcasing Hollywood and British culture. Ardman Animation and the British Film Institute were attached, but later pulled out of the project. BBC Worldwide Productions uh, BBC Worldwide productions that are expected to feature in the theme park are Doctor Who, Sherlock and Top Gear. Rise and attractions that will be based on ITV programmes include Thunderbirds Are Go. Um, other rides and attractions that are expected to be there from Paramount include Mission Impossible, The Italian Job, and The Quiet Place. Um, there's definitely a, a, an a range a range of things there. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah. Th- uh, how would you make a ride out of a, qu- a quiet place? I don't know. I've, to be fair, I've never seen a quiet place. I couldn't probably tell you. The one I want to know is how do you make a ride out of Sherlock? That yeah, that's also it's strange because <laughs> Sherlock hasn't been on TV since 2017. No, I wonder if this is gonna, maybe I'm, they might have changed plans since this article was written. Yeah. I'm just reading this off Wikipedia. But, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. not out of the realms of possibility that they could still bring back Cumberbatch and Freeman to like film stuff for it. I reckon it would be I mean, one or the other. I feel like you don't think they could get both of them. I don't feel like I don't think they get along, do they? Yes, they. Of course, they get along. I don't think they do. I I've not other than like seeing Martin Freeman in interviews, kind of joking about how he can't escape from Benedict Cumberbatch and projects he does. I'm pretty sure they. I mean, I've never actually seen them in an interview together. Yeah. Um, no, so- they can't. I'm <laughs> sure they're mates. I'm sure they are. Here we go. What's this? Um, this is from the Guardian, Martin Freeman. I'm not horrible or unfriendly, but I have, but I am my own person. Um, oh, I can't read that because it's on the Guardian. I have to pay, I think, for the Guardian. How Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin? Do you have to pay for the Guardian now? I, I think so. Yeah. How Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin? Oh, so many cookies. Go away. Yeah, you can have everything. How Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman's feud threatened the future of BBC's hit show Sherlock. Yeah. So apparently. Oh, really? Yeah, I think there was a not a falling out, but I think I don't know. I think uh, Martin huffed being in that show. It's a mini Beatles thing. People expectations. Some of some of it's not fun anymore, and it's not a thing to be enjoyed. It's a thing you better effing do this, otherwise you're a c word. That's not fun anymore. Benedict Cumberbatch hit back at that interview by saying, "I'm very grateful for the support, but that's about it." <laughs> it takes it. It takes on its own thing, but that happens with every every franchise or entity like this. It's pretty pathetic if that's all it takes to let you not want to uh, take a grip of your reality. Yeah, so I think he called Martin Freeman pathetic. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah. Um. Wow. So that that Sherlock ride isn't going to happen anytime soon. I don't feel. Am I? Well, how Maybe do you do it'll a, be um, only, a Sherlock escape room would make sense, but I can't see what you do with a Sherlock ride. Would it be like a dark room where you'd have like mannequins of Cumberbatch and Freeman? <laughs> I don't know, but then I'm trying to think of other BBC shows that have come out since then, like His Dark Materials. Maybe that might make that a good ride. would that could make a good that could make a very good ride. Death I really like a good. <laughs> they I just fly people like... out to a desert island and leave them there to solve murders. You can come back once you've solved I it. <laughs> um, I don't know if I think the BBC helped make it, but I'd really dig a Good Omens ride. Oh, that would be good. good. Omens yeah, would yeah. Make... Good Omens would make for such a good ride. <laughs> That'd be so fun. Um, should we bring back a segment we've done once that people seem to enjoy? Uh, yeah, what segment's that? Uh, it's Harrison's Half Hour. It's back, everybody. Whoop. <laughs> you don't seem too excited about this, Harry. Oh, I, I, thought, I thought that was when you were going to cut to the bit. No, I was waiting for your reaction at the return of Harrison's Half Hour whilst I try and find a theory that I sent him. Oh, wait. Um, ah. 
Oh boy, Harrison's half hour. Is it actually half an hour long this time? No, it's still about three minutes. <laughs> well, that's a tenth of a half hour. Okay, so this week's theory comes from Landy. Um, when I was when I when when ten was about to regenerate and he visited all his companions, I reckon he saved Adric. No evidence, just personal canon. Um, so I sent that to Harrison, and this was his thoughts. What did you think of his thoughts, Harry? I thought that was very interesting. I mean, we're lucky we have someone like Harrison around who kind of is more averse, adverse with uh, New Who. Well, classic Who. Yeah. Um, and can actually comment on stuff like that. Yeah. I think it was an interesting theory, and I liked what you had to say. Cool. Nice cover-up. Um, so, like we said, there isn't much news. We did talk about that theme park for a bit. That's quite fun. Um, yeah. But the thing we're going to talk about this week, before we get into the watch-along is we're going to talk about the Hooniverse, something we mentioned briefly in a previous episode. Russell T. Davis said that he thinks there should be more Doctor Who spin-offs in the same way that Disney are doing with Star Wars and Marvel. Now, I asked a few people online, and we've come up with our own suggestions of Doctor Who spin-offs we would love to see. Uh, do you want to go first with one of yours, Harry? Yes. Um, this is a theory well, of something that has been spherized, rumoured, discussed about, um, not so much nowadays, but there was a brief uh, period during the Moffat era where there was a lot of speculation about it, or at least people saying they'd love to see it, which is um, following um, An Adventure in Space and Time, the Mark Gatiss film for the 50th anniversary. Lots of people were very, very excited about the casting of David Bradley as William Hartnell's William Hartnell, and as William Hartnell's first Doctor, and thought he was great in the role. Um, and some people said that they would have really liked to see him brought on uh, alongside uh, perhaps some other cast members playing other old characters to either tell new stories with the first Doctor or to recreate some of the uh, old stories which the BBC archives lost. Yeah, that would be good fun. I like that idea. I like to think that if they were to do new stories, you could make them short, almost like mini-sodes that would be posted on the Doctor YouTube channel. That would be cool. But mm. then again, also with redoing the series, I imagine it could be... I was going to say it could be expensive, but if they make them to look like they did in 1963, I imagine it would be relatively cheap. Because yeah, I, mean- I wouldn't imagine you you could just inflate the budget to whatever it is now. Or like, well, I know that several years ago, the like a university somewhere in England remade mm. a lost episode, and it looks amazing. And then that's now like official Doctor Who canon. So yeah, I reckon that's a great idea. Yeah, and they could they could even bring you know some of those students or similar, um, like film students on to kind of work on those episodes, and that'd be you know in addition to Mate. a cool thing for classic fans. Yeah, hey, oh, exactly. It'd be a great opportunity for <laughs> you know Doctor Who fans, like film tune people, to make kind of a first break into industry. I think like it would be just a very exciting idea for people. That's made me really excited. I, I want. I'd like that, especially the inclusion of me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like the bit where I'm in it. <laughs> I like the bit where I where I'm in Doctor Who. I just have something to do. With it. <laughs> Um, I'm just going through my notes here because I did make some notes. Um, some people just gave characters they would like to see. 
Um, so I'll just shout those out and you can tell me what you think. Okay, so Missy, what do you think of that? Missy having her own spin-off. Well, that kind of goes into the whole thing of Masters mm. having spin-offs. And I don't know if giving any Master a spin-off series would detract from the impact of them appearing in the main show. Yeah. Well, I feel like whenever the Master appears in the show, it's like an event and it's yeah. a surprise and suddenly it kind of fucks everything up that's going <laughs> on in the show, pardon my language. So I worry that the impact of that would be diminished if we also had a Master series. Yeah. I think a Master series would work with... I came up with a slight idea, which is that the episode is Missy... Almost like in England, we have a t- we had a TV series called Jack and Ori, in which a celebrity would sit in front of the of the camera and read a bedtime story. Now, I think it would be cool to parody that with Missy, but she tells stories of the Master and the Doctor's childhood on Gallifrey, and each episode is bookended by live action segments of Michelle Gomez reading like this fix this book about the Doctor's childhood with the Master, and like. Say say it's half an hour, you would have five minutes at the start, five minutes at the end of Michelle Gomez talking to the camera. And then the rest of the episode would be set on Gallifrey as young Doctor and young Master. Yes, Harry? So what you're suggesting is young Sheldon in the Doctor Who universe. I haven't seen young Sheldon, so that wasn't a direct joke. What didn't reference it directly. Young Sheldon, it's a show that goes back to the main character's childhood and is narrated by the adult version of that character. <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay, maybe we won't do uh, Young Missy. Uh, hey, one... People like Young Sheldon, I think. I don't know, I've not seen it. Donna got thrown around like a lot in the discussion. A lot of people said Donna, but I don't know what you would do with her. Because she can't remember anything. Yeah. I love Donna as a character, but she's kind of been really into a corner that means she can't really be brought back because yeah. if you were to bring her back it would either be taking place between Runaway Bride and her reappearing in a series 4 or it would be her with no memory in which case she can't really do much because every time she encounters something alien she starts remembering and yeah. puts her own life at risk yeah. so you can't you can't really do that unfortunately which is a shame because I love Donna yeah <laughs> So. Another one I've come up, uh, thought of was Rory. Now, my idea for this was the time that Rory is alive as a Roman, or maybe in a parallel centurion. world. Yeah, as a centurion, is have him actually as a gladiator, and sort of, but as Rory as a gladiator, and it's sort of Rory interacting with proper gladiators and just getting into scrapes and stuff like that. And then I realised Big Finish have done it, and it's coming out very soon. Oh, has he already done that? They've yeah. already done a Centurion Rory. Yeah. Well, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. Like, you can imagine it, you know, you'd call it some... You'd probably just call it the Centurion and yeah. have it, like, him from different periods of time with his, you know, with the Pandorica. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you got any more any more ideas for spin-offs? Um, I had one idea, which I think would be cool, but I don't think is going to happen. Why? What's that? Uh, the idea is kind of... Off the back of uh, watching all of series uh, two, um, I'd like an idea. I'd like the idea of seeing some uh, parallel Earth stuff. You know, um, Rose and Mickey and Jackie and Pete all, you know, 
doing their stuff in the parallel Earth, defending the planet. Yes. Um, the and also it would be a cool opportunity because the all um, obviously the actors are all significantly older than they were when you're in Doctor Who, mm. um, including uh, David Tennant. But you could justify bringing back an older David Tennant if he's playing uh, 10-2, the human copy of the Doctor, because obviously he's human and he would age naturally. But that also presents the problem of why it would be very unlikely to happen, which is that I feel like if you made a spin-off show which brought back not just um, Billy Piper, not just Noel Clark, but also David Tennant, it would massively eclipse the main show yeah okay because we know David Tennant's the most popular Doctor yeah of course okay so after series 2 a further spin off of Doctor Who Rose Tyler Earth Defender a 90 minute special that could possibly become an annual event was cancelled by D- Russell T Davies in, at the late stages of development he considered it to be a spin off too far despite the production having been commissioned and budgeted by the controller of BBC One so you, what you wow. just said, we almost got, but it would have been without David Tennant. It would have been set after Doctor Who Series 2. I mean, you know what? I wonder why Russell cancelled it. He just felt it was too many spin-offs. Well, there were, at the time, there would have been that, Torchwood, Sarah Jane, a few of the animated things that were to come for Series 3. Um, yeah, so maybe. I forget just how inescapable in a good way Doctor Who was back yeah. in that period how's your Torchwood watching coming along for our Torchwood mega review I'm going to watch episode 3 tonight ah, ok we're not that far away I think I watched episode 5 last night um, any more spin off ideas Harry um, ok I have one hear me out <laughs> do you uh, know about K9 and company uh, yep I do. And then I know about that weird Australian spin-off that K9 got. And the yeah. possible movie that's coming out with K9 as well. Okay, okay. Like, putting those two aside, <laughs> I like the idea of bringing up back K9 and company, but this time there's a reason to. <laughs> like, the original K9 company pilot, the idea was that it was like K9 and Sarah Jane, like, solving stuff right yeah well obviously very unfortunately Liz Sladen is uh, no longer with us and that kind of and in Russell D. Davis is uh, was it called Goodbye Sarah Jane yeah it's K9 K9 goes off with Ace Ace and I like the idea of what if K9 predominantly you know belonged to Ace and stayed with Ace but then it would be a great excuse for, with each episode, each adventure, you could bring back different classic Q companions. And, yeah. you know, maybe classic Q monsters. It could be an opportunity to be this big love letter to classic Q. Yeah, I like And that. also, you know, then the name K9 and Company would make sense because then you'd have the company of all those classic Who. I like that. I like that. Because I feel companions. like... That could possibly work because I like the fact that the introduction of K- the reintroduction of K nine would be great for kids who love the show, young kids mm. especially. And then the inclusion of these classic companions would be great for people like us and 
people who grew up with the show in mm. the 60s and 70s and the 80s. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of great because K9, for Classic Who, I feel during the time he was on the show, he was kind of alongside, say, you know, the Doctor themselves, the Daleks, and the TARDIS. K9 is kind of one of the most iconic things from Doctor Who, you know, in the yeah. public consciousness. I feel like people see K9 and are like, oh, yeah, it's the robot dog from Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, people don't necessarily know the name, but they know it's the, yeah. the robot dog from Doctor Who. Yeah, I like that idea. Well, that he, was he, literally idea. Ha- he literally has the letters and numbers K9 on his side, so you can't really mistake his name. That's true, that's true. Um, two more spin-offs that were suggested before I get to... I've only, I've only got one idea for myself. But a lot of people suggested Roof. But my issue with that is that is so open-ended, what that could be, mm. that it literally could... I don't even know... I can't even begin to fathom what it could be about. Yeah. And we don't even know. Maybe Ruth is in The Fugitive Doctor, correct? Yes. Well, for all we know, she's the 14th Doctor, you know? <laughs> yeah. And another one yeah. that got thrown around a lot was the Paternostra gang, um, Strax, Jenny, and Madame Vastra. From Old Towny, London, that hung around. You're looking. Are we? Are we going too far into the future for you to remember what I'm talking about here? No, I, I remember who they are. Yeah, but I'm just considering whether they made a big enough of a splash. Well, they've got their own big finish kind of, stuff, and this is the problem with a lot of this. There's a lot of these Tim, suggestions. A lot, a lot of things have big finish stuff. <laughs> I feel like um, if that was going to have been a thing, it should have been a thing at the time of when they were actually in the show. Yeah. On CBBC, um, that would like, be great. Yeah, I feel like if if Stephen Moffat had wanted to make that a spin-off, he would have done. Yeah. And I feel like now, I when you they were kind of introduced um, in they introduced that group first in series seven, weren't they? I think so. Yeah. And then they and then they appeared again in Capaldi's first series, series eight. And I kind of worry that that was a period in which, and obviously, you know, figures and viewership shouldn't dictate anything, yeah. you know, because <laughs> viewership doesn't equate to quality. But that was the period when viewership of Doctor Who generally started to drop off, off a bit. It started to fall out of the public consciousness yeah. just a little bit. And I feel that if they were to bring that back, a lot of people would not know who those characters are in the same way that they'd know characters such as Jack Harkness. Yeah. And K-9. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the one last idea I've got here is my own idea, okay? So it's a unit-based crime-fighting program aimed at 15 to 35-year-olds in the same way Torchwood is. It brings in a, a new established... Um, British actor to be the head of unit, so no more Kate Bishop. Stephen Fry's gone. Maybe bring someone cool like Richard E. Grant, or you know someone like that. Um, and each week it follows the adventures of Martha and Mickey, who are now working for Unit, solving crimes, fighting aliens. Not every episode is sci-fi based. Some of it can just be gangs and murderers and that sort of stuff. But some episodes will be alien based. Um, and now and again, possibly run into other Doctor Who characters. Joe Grant, Ace, and I thought also Sally Sparrow. That would be cool. Okay, I'm really glad this suggestion was made because I was feeling really mean for shooting down all the other ideas. And <laughs> I really, really like this one. That was my I idea. I could really dig that. That was my oh, idea. Oh, was that your idea? Yeah. 
That's a great idea, Tim. I Thank really you. like that idea. <laughs> I think that is... Those are, I love all those characters. Like, if you could... You know, I go as far as to say, like, Sally Sparrow, like, bring her back. Make her part of unit. Like, yeah. Blink's a brilliant episode. I really like that. I yeah. really like that. I thought it was fun. It's I, one of those I, things I, that when I wrote it down, I was like, hang on, that's really good. <laughs> that is really good. It's like kind of... It, it's like doing what Torchwood is doing, where it's kind of more embedded within the world of Doctor Who, but not so much that it's, like, pointless because Doctor Who could do it. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of spin-off I can see people getting behind. And, I mean, I don't... Has Noel Clark said he'd be open to returning to Doctor Who? Yeah, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago because he was asked, wasn't he, if he would like to be the Doctor. He said, maybe, but he would definitely like to return to the show. And I think Freema has said she would like to return to Martha, but only to really explain more about her background and explore that character more because he felt she felt like Russell came up with a character and then she was never really developed but give her her own series <laughs> and I like you know we've talked about how much we love Mickey and yeah. I'm a big fan of Martha right now I'm going to say that uh, prior to series 3 I think Martha's great yeah I'm all for that let's do great. it it would be fun think, especially bringing in that established British actor as well to lead unit mm. that would then help bring in people who aren't necessarily familiar with Doctor Who or would dismiss it because they would see I can only think of Richard E. Grant off the top of my head Richard E. Grant mm. being there and they go oh this must be quality if he's in it yeah people liked um, what was the thing he did recently the thing with Tom Hiddleston where everyone said Tom Hiddleston should be James Bond because of it oh the night manager the night manager yeah Established I know, I just British ex- actors. I'm just googling. Sorry. Have you just googled established British actors? <laughs> yeah. See what comes up. This, this is this is your casting call for uh, <laughs> the unit show. Yeah. Here we go. Christine Bale. No. Sean Bean. No. These are all too big. Too big. So names. are you considering like, would this would this character be like sort of a brigadier thing, or would like the brigadier be a separate character still? Would you bring back like, the Brigadier from the Moffat era? Well, how could I bring back the Brigadier? He's dead. No, but like, there's a new Brigadier. Oh, there? you mean, oh, like Kate... Oh, uh, yeah. Well, she well, she left, didn't she, when Jodie's thing came back and Stephen Fry was there. Unit had been dismantled, hadn't it? It had been, like, broken down. And then when they did go back, it was Stephen Fry. She could have still been there. Like, the Brigadier but I think, the I think, of, I think you need to redo it. To ex- because I feel that's too embedded in Doctor Who to then exclude yeah. new people joining it. Yeah, I see. Like, I see. Robert Carlyle, that'd be cool. Hmm. John Cleese. John. I'm not sure. I'm not Charles sure. Charles Dance. Like... It has to be hmm. Colin Firth. No, he's too big. Martin Freeman, he wouldn't like it. Michael Gambon would not like it. Uh, Hugh Grant would not like it Alec Guinness, dead Tom Hardy, too big All these actors on here are too well known (laughs) Jeremy Irons That would be good Jeremy Jeremy Irons I mean, and that's the kind of thing he did He was in uh, the HBO Watchmen series Apparently he was great in that Yeah, and he's also Jeremy Irons He is he was Alfred. Yeah, we don't know anymore. 
Well, uh, that, you see, I mean, I guess the you know the Zack Snyder just leak hasn't come out yet, so he technically is still Alfred. But also, Andy Circus is also Alfred. Yes, Andy Circus, he'd be and, great. Andy Sir, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like Andy Circus is too big though. Yeah. But like, yeah, but I'm saying it so I can put him in the thumbnail. David okay. Tennant, oh, can... Jodie Whittaker. Whoa. <laughs> Oh, Ollie Alexandra. Ah, <laughs> oh, TV, TV. Yeah, I like that idea. I think there was a Elizabeth good few ideas. Jones. There. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I was just trying to remember people we can put in other thumbnails. Um, who, Ricky uh, Gervais. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that yeah that video is up now. It got blocked by the BBC, but it eventually did go up. Um, anything else that we haven't talked about? Any spin-offs that we haven't mentioned, Harry? That you think we should? There's obviously the obvious ones, like Jenny, and I don't know. Yeah, why haven't we talked about Jenny? I think it's too obvious, and I don't know what you would do with it. You think it's too obvious? Well, Big Finish would do it. I guess she'd have, like, oh, yeah, of course, she'd have space adventures. Yeah, That's what she'd do. But the whole thing would be what? people constantly going, I hope David Tennant's going to be in this. Well, it doesn't. that doesn't make sense, because David Tennant's the Doctor, and the, I'm pretty sure... The tenth Doctor never met Jenny again. Like the tenth Doctor thinks that Jenny's the Doctor thinks Jenny's dead. Yeah, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. What an epic prank! Yeah. <laughs> 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 never bothered to tell her own dad she's still alive. Ah, oh, it's a prank, bro. Come now. <laughs> Was that like someone who like theorized or said that like Jenny like died really shortly after that story ended or something? Yeah, I think, I think it might have been like Russell she... or Stephen. They were like, well, she went out and probably got herself into trouble again and died straight away. I think that's just like their excuse for why she never appeared again. Probably, yeah, maybe. Um, anything else? Anything we haven't talked about before we go into the watch along? Um. I, I can't see a River Song spin-off happening. No. Um, I can't. Captain Jack obviously had Torchwood. Um, There's a lot of the obvious ones, but they're, they're usually obvious and there's usually a reason why they're not on and it hasn't been made yet. What if What if we had the face of show but the face of Bo? <laughs> it's just him half an hour just telling the story. <laughs> hey, that worked pretty well, Jack and Nori style. Like, he told the stories back when he was young. It would but, Yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, but but, not, but not, not so young that you have to make John Barrowman look younger. That's true. What is the watch along this week? It is... Oh, okay. Um, I'll tell you what, Harry. We're living on a planet, and I sometimes find that hard to, to believe. Yeah, man. With everything that's going on right now, it's like, how is this even possible? Like, I might even go as far to say... That is an impossible planet, followed by the by the Satan pit. <laughs> uh, very good. Enjoy it, everybody. Shut up! Shut up! Shut the thing up, up, up! order you to subscribe to our Patreon. Subscribe or you will be exterminated. Seek, locate, subscribe.
freaking having you all. Ah, oh, Harry, I'm so sad. Why? Little Mix, and one of Little Mix has left Little Mix, and I'm really sad about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, today on the um, 14th of December, the day we're recording, um, Jazzy Nelson has uh, quit Little Mix. I don't know how I'm going to carry on, if I'm being honest. Yeah, you really, you're really a big fan of Little Mix. No, just Jesse. Awesome. I mean, is there any chance she might come back? Is like a mental health break or something? Why are you asking me? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Tim, you're the one I found out about this from. Like, is that from my anything mean tweet? Yeah, from your, your tweet about it. Like, you're the one you should know, not me. Why am I the one who knows more about it? If you want to see my mean tweet, you should follow me on Twitter at TimXSaxby. It's, um, I've got some Amazing. Are you referring to the meme tweet where you edit the Vlomix promotional art with Jesse out of it? Yeah, I just Photoshop her out of it, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, it didn't the... spark an outrage, which I was kind of hoping. You... I was, hoping Wait, I was, was that get... your intention? I was kind of hoping I was going to annoy some Little Mix fans, but it didn't. <laughs> I mean, to me, it wasn't even like a mean thing. It was just kind of, yeah, the art won't have Jesse in it anymore. Little Mix fans are very touchy. I feel like oh, we've I talked about know. Little Mix for too long. People aren't listening to this here. It's about talking about I've never interacted with Little Mix fan. Um, uh, okay. Well, we're going to talk about Doctor Who Series 2, Episode 8 and 9. Wait, is that, this, is that actually how we're opening the episode? That's how it's going to be. <laughs> really? Yeah. Reels? Yeah, why not? No, hello everybody and welcome to... Oh, uh, no, because that's what, already been. Yeah. We pre-record this bit, don't we? Okay, okay. Because they've just listened to us talk about the news, then the jingles, and then the watch along bit. But we haven't recorded I the forgot, news bit. I forgot. I've got. I've got the structure. I've got yeah. the structure. We're only nine episodes into this new structure, but don't worry about it. <laughs> all right. All right. It's fine. It's fine. Episodes. Is it episode eight and nine? Uh, or is it nine and ten? I think it's eight and nine. I think it is eight and nine. Actually, yeah. Let me you're check. Right. Doctor Who series two episode eight. Oh no! Oh yeah, eight and nine. No, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah Doctor Who right, series yeah. eight and nine, which I called what Harry? The Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit, both written by Matt Jones. And who's he? Is he written for Doctor Who since or before? Um, this is the first time I can recall seeing his name. I mean, yeah, I don't recall seeing it in Eccleston series. I'm just on Tardis Wiki. Um, to see what else he's done. And the Impossible Planet, Satan's Pit, he did some Torchwood and some novels. So this seems to be the only um, actual television work he's done for the show. Oh, really? That's interesting. Um, We'll get get straight into it. The Impossible Planet. Um, First question I want to is, why did the Doctor decide to land a TARDIS on their, like, base? It just appears. There's no... We never find out why he decided to land there. It just seems to happen. When him and Rose first arrive, it seems that they don't quite know where they are. Sometimes mm. I wonder if the TARDIS just takes them somewhere randomly, because this definitely isn't the first time they've ended up somewhere where they're not entirely sure of where it is. Yeah. It did seem like a random place to go, though, because I was like, they've just. Uh, uh, why did the TARDIS take them there? I know there's that thing of the TARDIS takes me where I need to go, not where I want to be. But it, basically, everything was all right once again until the doctor turned up. 
Yeah, I mean, if the Doctor hadn't turned up, though, everyone would have died, so... Uh, the Ood make their return. Sorry, Ood make their first appearance uh, yes. with a few returns afterwards. What do you think of the Ood? Well, first of all, I think... Oh, this is an interesting one. Um, because really, from the Russell T. Davis era, there have only really been two monsters that have kind of really stuck... Well, three monsters that have stuck around since, which are the Ood, the Jadoon, and the Weeping Angels. Yeah. And... Of those three, I think the Ood might be my favourite. I like them because they're not really a monster, are they? They're just sort of a really cool sort of alien being that more than once get taken over. Yeah, I really like them. I really like their design. I think the way they look is great. And it's yeah. really convincing, those kind of tentacle faces. Um, and also the whole thing, like you said, they're not just a monster, like a scary foe. They've got this whole thing where they're kind of slaves and controlled, and there's a lot of interesting stuff you can explore with that, which this episode kind of starts to touch upon. But I believe, is there an episode in Series 4 that kind of digs deeper into it? Yeah, there's Planet of the Ood, isn't there? Um, yeah, that's right. With Donna, where it's like a snow planet with Tim McKinnery from Blackadder. And then they also appear, well, one of them appears in The Waters of Mars and the End of Time. And then again in The Doctor's Wife and episode series seven in The Short Pond Life, series nine, The Magician's Apprentice, yes. Face the Raven, Hellbent, and a couple more from there. Yeah. So they yeah, don't really get a... kind of. Sorry, go on. No, yeah, you'd have really kind of. They've stuck it out, which is surprising. Like looking at these, you might expect something like maybe the Slovene to be a longer lasting foe. Yeah. But no, the Ood have stuck it out. And I think that is because they're just quite different. Yeah, I, I, I did like them. There wasn't a point where I was sort of annoyed by them. And uh, that doesn't necessarily affect my opinions on this episode. But I I do like them. I, so, um, I would like to see them have another full episode rather than just the odd appearance now and again. Mm, yeah, same, same. I mean, I know Chibnall's brought back the Jadoon. He might, he might bring back the Ood. I'd be open to that. Um, yeah, that would be good. Um, Turby, when we're introduced to the, the crew, um, did you notice that everybody's wearing black apart from Turby, so we're instantly like looking at him and drawn to his attention? I did not notice that. I did not yeah. notice that little uh, cheeky costume design they did. I, I don't think I, 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 I when I'd seen Turby before, I was I knew he was in blue, but it wasn't until I watched it I was like, mm. "Oh wait, that's why he's clearly just in blue." So we spot him because he turns out to <laughs> yeah. be quite a crucial point over these next two episodes. Mm, absolutely. Um. Um. I'm just going through my notes because there was, a, there was a lot going on in these two episodes I found but also at the same time not that much there was a lot of characters yeah. a lot of plot points but nothing ever seems to really I never go oh a new thing's happening it's almost like oh we're now in a new thing yeah. well I know to me this first episode feels so far of all the episodes we've done so far this feels like definitely the slowest episode a very slow burner it kind of yeah. really spends its time building things up establishing things and other than a couple of kind of almost horror movie style kind of character deaths um there's not really 
that much that happens in this episode. It's just a lot of sitting around and waiting and seeing what things are. And it's only until we get to the Satan pit that stuff really starts to pick up. Yeah, I sort of I agree with that a little bit, but I also feel like in the Satan pit that uh, again, a lot of it is just like the Doctor and Ivor standing around whilst Rose talks to them through a uh, radio. It's mm. only really the last sort so. of 15 minutes where they make their escape that I would think something actually starts to happen. Well, you know, the whole bit with them sneaking through like the vents and avoiding the youth there. Uh, yeah, I suppose so, yeah. But then again, that was an, an example where I sort of just thought, oh, something else is happening now. I didn't really sort of go, okay, a new thing. This is going to be fun. It was almost like, okay, now we're doing this. It seemed to be like, it would be good to see this in an episode, this in an episode, this in an episode, and they almost just linked those things together. Okay, so how, so how can I'm we get from this. this to them in a in a in you know doing a Die Hard? Okay, so I'm going to ask you this because this is something that crossed my mind when watching. I want to know your thoughts. Um, do you think that this would have worked better as one 45 minute episode? Yeah, definitely. Do you think so? Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff. From my, well, I think we have slightly different opinions, but my, I think there's a lot of stuff from episode two that didn't really need to be in there, that or from episode two that could have been moved into episode one, um, like running through the ventilation shafts, that would have just made it a bit tighter and a bit more action packed, and then I probably would have had a completely different opinion on it. Okay, interesting, interesting. See, to me, it'd be the other way around. I feel like some of the establishing stuff in the first episode could have been trimmed down mm. and then um, kind of put that on the beginning of uh, the Satan pit and then trim down bits of the same pit because there are parts of the same bit which could have been trimmed. Yeah. Although at the same time, I do like how much time is spent on this planet and in yeah. this environment. It's an interesting environment. Yeah, I was It actually watching... looks really good. I was watching Confidential and the the especially when they're actually in the Satan pit and it's like this big rocky area. I thought oh, they must have gone into like some caves or something like that. You know, like those caves you go on a random school trip or something like that. Oh yeah. Like, I thought it must yeah. be something like that, but what it actually is, it's just a quarry, an outside quarry. They filmed outside and then just matte painted and CGI'd like all the walls and everything in to make it look like it was then inside. I was like, Oh, that's such a clever way of doing it. Doctor Who in their quarries, eh? <laughs> um, I also like the fact that the Doctor and Rose, at the start of this episode, they're clearly just twatting around having some fun, annoying people. <laughs> and they're starting to get caught out on it a little bit. They're getting uh, maybe too big for their boots, sort of. And, you know, with what's to come, it's sort of mm. starting to have itself foreshadowed. Very much in these two episodes when we hear uh, the Beast constantly <laughs> reminding Rose she's going to die in battle. Yeah, I'm actually a little bit surprised that the crew didn't get a little more ticked off because they understand how impossible it is that they're on this planet. And if I was them, I'd be like, wait, hang on. You have a ship that took you here. What? How? Like, yeah. This is like, you know, Can you the take future. Us off we this don't ship. have <laughs> Yeah, like, I'd be asking way more questions. Yeah. Like, who the hell are you? You know, especially when the freaky demon stuff starts happening like yeah. ever since you've come here freaky demon stuff has started happening you know yeah are one, you thing, responsible? one thing i noticed is you said it it's set in the future but they still have to pretend that rose doesn't have a mobile phone 
they have to call it a communicator. But surely they know what a mobile phone is. I, I don't know. Maybe because how long had mobile phones been kind of the norm by the time? Well, this was 2006, 2006, wasn't it? So maybe I would say maybe five to six years. Well, here's the thing. Maybe Russell wasn't sure whether or not mobile phones would just kind of be a fad for that decade. Perhaps, perhaps. Like the iPhone, the iPhone wasn't going to be announced until the next year. We didn't know that they were going to become such an essential part of our everyday lives. Maybe assumed that by the time we're in the distant future, phones would have become irrelevant. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, this crew, do they actually know what they're doing? They come across as a bit slow and not the brightest bunch of people. Uh, let's see. Well, I don't know. I feel like the captain's pretty decent. He's okay. I mean, yeah. But um, then again, there's that Toby scene is... where he's at his desk and he and the beast appears in a hologram behind him, and he's almost like Scooby Doo, like just turns around and it's disappeared. He's like, "Oh dear, I must have missed it." <laughs> then just carries on with his work. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And well, see, because there's t- there's him, there's the um, soldier guy, isn't there? The guy who uh, gets Mr. Jefferson. killed in the vents. Is that his name? Yeah, he's all right. I mean. He's a bit slow to his own mission, isn't he? Oh. Um, <laughs> um, then we've got... Oh, what's his face? He's in charge of the Udes. Him. The real knob. Oh, um, Danny. Yeah, Danny. Ugh, Danny. With the long hair. Yeah, Danny with the long hair. Yeah. Um, there's a great shot I really liked, and it's when Toby is taken over and he's standing outside the, outside the base and he cracks the oh, glass. Yeah. I thought that looked really good. No, that was great. That was great. Um, then, but I think like there's a lot of cool imagery in this episode. There is. I feel like this this these two episodes have like really good potential, but for me it just didn't work. And I've always they've never been my favorite as a kid either. I remember like rewatching them when I was maybe about 10 and just skipping these two episodes because they just didn't really do much for me. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um for me, at the beginning, I definitely felt the slowness of it. Yeah. But as it went on, um, it's especially towards the Satan Pit, I really got into it. I think the Satan Pit might be my favourite episode of this series. We're going to have very contrasting yeah. um, Series 2 ranking lists. <laughs> That's just what I was thinking. I, was thinking, <laughs> I think, probably that being said, I think my favourite scene from these two episodes is the bit when the Doctor and Rose are just talking about what they're going to do if they're stuck in this time. Oh yeah, I liked that. I like that where he's like, I'd have to get a house with doors and a window. I would quite like yeah. to see, and I think I might have mentioned it before and I think we should do a video on it, like a Doctor Who What If series. Like, what if this didn't happen? Because I would, I think that would be Absolutely. quite a fun what if it's just the Doctor trying to live in a house. If <laughs> That's something that just, the concept of the doctor living in a house like any other character any other like main character from a show if you said what if they lived in a house i'd be like well they'd live in a house yeah. but if the doctor lived in a house that has so much potential you know no exactly um i've noticed as well rose is becoming a lot more like the 10th doctor like even the way I she's starting that. to speak like she's putting uh, i can't think of what she says now but she goes up to someone and almost like the way the Tenth Doctor says Donna, she sort of goes yeah. like the way she I, I can't say it because I can't remember what she said, but the way she sort of finishes it, 
she sort of puts like a gravel on the end of it, almost as you would expect someone who is doing a Tenth Doctor impersonation to do. I know that in a lot of her dialogue, um, in the same pit, when she's kind of like in charge of the team, she kind of like grabs Danny's like, you, Danny boy. And it's like, I felt you could very easily swap Rose out with the Tenth Doctor in that scene, and it would yeah. have made just as much sense. No, yeah. yeah. Uh, but then again, there is that really good scene where the Doctor's going down to the Satan pit, and she's on like the telecom going, breathe, breathe, don't forget to breathe. Breathing's good. <laughs> and it's like, you're trying so hard to be like the Doctor, but you're really just, you're not there quite yet. Yeah, no. You, you can tell she's not quite there. No. Um, do you have anything, anything else to say about the Impossible Planet before we go on to the Satan pit? Um, let's see, let's see. Um, honestly, I feel like all the really interesting stuff happens in the Satan pit. The Impossible yeah. Planet is actually one of my less favorite, one of my least favorite from this series. Oh, I know what Satan- we can talk about. We can talk about the CGI of the big black hole. Okay. Um, I feel like the black hole works because it's like space and there's a little more, well, obviously space and black holes are real, but to us it's a bit more abstract. The planet itself looks quite, you know, obviously CG. But yeah. the stuff of, like, the black hole in space, I think, works. Yeah, there's a scene where it's, like, a low angle from behind the Doctor and Rose, and it's sort of slight, not directly behind them, it's almost to their left, and you're just looking up at them, yes. looking at the black hole. And you can sort of see the cutout around the hair of where the black hole in the green screen is. But then there's a really good shot of... Um, Scooter or Scooty, whatever her name is, the first woman to die. Oh, when she's dies, yeah. yeah, where she's just floating around in space. And I watched Confidential. The way they did that was they just put her in like a swimming pool tank and just filmed her in a swimming pool. Oh, so that's why everything that's looks real hair. good. Because I was watching yeah. it, I was like, I wonder if they just like put her on like a dolly and just span around. And I was like, oh, well, maybe they hung her upside down for a wise and span span around. But I was like, how do you get the hair like that? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Would that actually happen in space? Would your hair just float around like that? Or would know. it? I don't know. I've never been. I've never been to space. So Sign up to our Patreon and uh, we'll send Harry to space. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get on the SpaceX uh, program. Um, we're going to do a quiz, Harry. You, you, not me. I hate being patient. Patience is for wimps. Impossible Planet quiz. What <laughs> can I remember? Three questions. What is wrote on the wall above the uh, like the ancient language? As the answer, the en- it's like there's What's graffiti written? on the wall and it says something in English. Welcome to hell, right? Yes. Well done. Cool. Um, name three of the um, bases team. Okay, um, Toby, um, um, Danny, yeah, and Scoot. uh? Yeah, I'll give you Scoot. Yeah, you could have had you could have had those three are Ida, Zach, and Mister Jefferson, and then there's three other people as well that appear who get killed throughout the episode. But we, they, yeah, but you never hear them speak. <laughs> they don't have any words. They're just like always oh, just stood next to Danny. <laughs> like they just get killed. 
Uh, so, yeah, well done. You got that one right. And what are the two colours that um, Scoot tells Rose not to eat when she's at the canteen? Oh, I don't remember this one. They're primary colours. You have to get both to get the point. Okay, I'm going to say... Um, red and blue. Uh, green and blue. Green's a secondary colour. Is it? Yeah. Red, blue, and yellow are the primary colours. Green, orange, and purple are the secondary colours. <sighs> and then brown's in the middle. Have you never seen a colour wheel, Tim? Yeah, but I don't, I don't know. When was the last time I looked at a colour wheel? Art in know, year seven. Seven? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Satan Pit, um, still written by Matt Jones. Matt Jones. Um, so you prefer this episode, yeah? Yeah, definitely. I mean, maybe it's just because generally with these two parties, I prefer the second one because it kind of um, answers all the questions or most of them. Yeah. And also, it's usually everything set up. So this is where the ball can really get rolling. It's much more energetic. Yeah. But I usually, usually for me with my ranking, both episodes are pretty much next to each other. Here, I like the Satan Pit significantly more. Yeah, I think I was like that when we watched Aliens of London and World War Three. Is I liked. I think I said I liked World War Three more than Aliens of London. And I think, probably looking back, it's probably because the same reason that it gets the ball rolling and I just enjoyed it a bit more. Um, I actually think the one episode, two-parter, where I prefer a- Aliens of London, part one. Yeah. Just because I like the specific things in that episode that aren't in the second part. Mm. Um, the big revelation, of course, in this episode is the fact that Toby is a virgin... Did they actually reveal that? Don't you remember where it's like, uh, the, like the they can hear the voiceover of Satan, and he's like revealing things. He's like the the lying boy, the old man, the out of control captain, and it just goes to Toby. It goes the Virgin, and it just carries on. And I was like, what is this? That's a bit really. Why are they yeah. gonna do my man Toby like that? It was so bizarre. Um, yes, uh, of course, that was a big revelation. Nothing else happened in this episode. Um, you, it, was, it reminded me a lot of classic sci-fi movies like Alien, um, mm. just with them trying to escape a monster on a spacecraft. And obviously there's the diehard elements of them running around air vents and canals and things like that. But uh, at, at no point did I think it was overused because they only used it sparingly, I feel. It was like, okay, here's a minute's worth of this and that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was kind of action-packed, probably, you know, unless you were looking at, say, um, a Pertree-era classic Who episode, um, this would probably be a bit out of place. But on the whole, the focus of it still feels very much Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, One thing that caught me a bit off guard was when the Doctor says, um, if you bring me back, we're just going to sit there and run out of air. Um when he's halfway down the pit. And I sort of thought, but okay, so you're either going to go all the way down and never come back, and she's going to die on her own, or you're going to sit and die with her. Either way, she's going to die at this rate, but why not just stay with her? Why why, why just leave her? Because the doctor likes answers and discovery and learning. Yeah. That's one thing I sort of struggled with this episode a bit. It's about that he has to know. Obviously, by the end of the episode, he sort of 
comes to the understanding that he doesn't know what the what the what Satan was. He doesn't know what the beast was. And mm. I wish they maybe had explored that more. Maybe if this the if fact it, they didn't know. Yeah, like it's almost like what 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 why doesn't he know? Why can't he find it out? And then leave it at that. I'm not necessarily saying we have to know what it is, but I'd like a reason to know why we can't know. I mean, that's one of the things of this episode that's actually just in this and not the last one, which I really like, which is the fact that the Doctor kind of does get a bit introspective about what he understands and believes in. Because obviously when he talks to like the Ood, um, to the Satan through the Ood, they kind of say that he's from before time and him like not being able to comprehend the idea of something existing before time, like obviously as a time lord, his yeah. whole understanding of life and universe is based on time. Yeah. Um found that no, really No, that was interesting, yeah. There was some good tenth doctor moments in this, but uh one moment that I really liked in this episode in particular was Rose's reaction to when they're leaving the planet. Obviously she's pissed off when that when that uh what's his name? The captain whose name is Zach when he's telling her that the the doctor's probably dead. Um, oh, yeah. And then they sort of take her and drug her and put her on the spaceship. And then her reaction on the spaceship to leaving. I thought that was really good. Yeah, no, you could... Yeah, totally bought it, you know? Like, just props to Billy Piper as an actress that she was able to kind of... You could feel, like, her desperation of not wanting to leave, you know? Essentially yeah. the man she loves. Yeah. And I felt it the same as well when she realises that he's alive. When she's when he when she, he reveals he's towing them back and her relief at that and also the rest of the team's relief that Ida is also alive as well. It's, yeah, that uh, is such kind of like it reminded me a bit of kind of like the everybody lives moment from the end of um, the Empty Child, where kind of after such two episodes which are quite dark both visually and in terms of like what's going on to have that sudden uplifting moment at the end. Yeah. It, it was like nice. It was very satisfying. Yeah. And then you actually get their reunion as well, which is quite nice, where she runs back into the TARDIS. Mm, it's all very old. Yeah, I think this episode does a really good job at highlighting their, even though it is a romantic relationship, there's also just a great friendship there, which I don't really necessarily think they've, they've explored that much with this incarnation as a doctor as much as they did last time. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Toby dies, which I thought was a bit mean, considering it's not actually his fault. He's just possessed. A little lot. I mean, I feel like Toby was dead from the moment Satan kind of took over his body, and that he was just pretending all the time afterwards, when he wasn't seemingly possessed. Yeah, so I... he's at the bit in the vent when the, he would look at him, and he's all red-eyed, and he does a little shush thing. Yeah. Because he does tell Rose to shut up at one point on the, uh, as they're leaving. Yeah. She's like, oh, what if we do this? What if we do this? He's like, Rose, shut up. I'm like, I'm like that's a bit mean. She's trying to help. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did you think to the, the actual devil then, the CGI and the design of the devil? Um, when it comes to the design itself, part of me at first was almost a little underwhelmed that it was just a giant horned Satan creature. But yeah. then again, the whole idea is that this is the creature, the beast that inspired every kind of interpretation of that 
um, figure. And so it actually makes complete sense that he looked so kind of quintessentially, you know, satanic. Yeah. I um, quite obviously, like... the CGI is the. Sorry, oh, go on, go on. What was he going to say? No, no, go for it. Obviously, the uh, CGI is a bit dated, but I feel like, you know, it served the purpose. It still works. You can still tell it was the devil. You could yeah. you could tell how he felt if he was laughing or angry or whatever. So yeah, because um, I quite like the idea because we know his plan was to. Uh, I had to write it down. The beast's plan is to escape by keeping its spirit alive in Toby's body, leaving its physical body, the actual red devil body, behind. Mm. I think it would have been really uh, just as just as imagery would have been really cool to see almost like a dead, a giant red dead shriveled up devil chained to a wall and almost uh-huh. then have that story explained back almost maybe you could do it as a follow-up maybe in like a couple of years time the doctor finds herself inside the planet she doesn't know where she is and she turns around and she just sees this big dead red devil and then they have to find whoever is actually now the embodiment of that devil so do you think that the um as in they go to the planet before this story or after this story? After. So what happens to the planet then? Does it blow up? It gets stuck into the black hole. So do you not think it's been destroyed? I suppose it could come back. I don't know what's inside a black hole. Well, the suggestion from this episode is that this black hole just devours and destroys everything it, con- it consumes. Yeah, maybe not then. But I thought that would be quite a good thing to see. Almost like the return of this character, but he's completely dead. Also, how did he get there? Why is he chained up? Who put him there? I guess. I mean, that's one of the many questions this story doesn't answer. Do you kind of wish there were more answers? Because it's unusual for Doctor Who to not give answers. Yeah. I'm not sat there craving for answers, and I'm not necessarily asking for answers that the characters in the show are asking. I'm more asking more questions like, why is that there? Why is it like that? rather than who actually put the devil there and who is the devil. I want to know why it's, the you know. Yeah, how it ended up there. Yeah, I think that would have been slightly more interesting. Is there anything else you want to say about the Satan pit? Um, let's see. Um, I guess kind of the last thing is something near the end of the episode in which um, Rose kind of asks the Doctor about, you know, the, what Satan said about her um, dying in battle, and the doctor replies with, "He lied." Do you yeah. think the doctor believed himself when he said that? Maybe not. I think he's made. Li- I think he's probably said it for two reasons: one, to keep Rose happy and not scared, and the other because he probably doesn't want to admit it to himself that that something bad's actually yeah. going to happen. Does the devil say that anything throughout the episode that then becomes true? Um. Well, I'm guessing kind of the stuff he reveals about the characters that have already happened is all true. Um, yeah. When it comes to... Uh, the only future prediction I can remember is the thing of Rose dying in battle, which, I, you know, if you want to interpret her going to an alternate dimension and then being classed as dead in this dimension... Oh, what am I talking about? Wait, no, the Doctor and Rose stay together forever. For I was series. really confused for a second then. They stay together forever. Sorry, sorry. I keep thinking about this other show. Yeah, no, my mistake. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about it. Um, yeah. Whilst we're talking of Doctor Who, we might as well do the quiz. 
patient. Patience is for wimps. Oh boy! Um, another three questions. How many ouds does Danny say are on board? Uh, 30. 50. Ah! What is um, Mr. Jefferson's first name? I'm gonna say Simon. John. How many miles of cable do they have on board? Um, is it ten meters? Oh, is it wait, miles of cable? Yeah, yeah. Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? Um, uh, two miles? Ten miles. Ah! I had it! I had all the things! You had it. Um, So yeah, The Satan Pit and The Impossible Planet. Two okay episodes, I would say. They're not terrible, but I didn't really get that much I really like The Satan Pit. I I think that The Impossible Planet's okay, and I really like The Satan Pit. Okay Okay, build-up, really good payoff. Can't wait for next week! Oh, yeah, I'm actually, unironically, really, really excited for the monsters. There's been certain um, points throughout when I, when we started doing this that I've been like, okay, I can't wait to get to that point, I can't wait to get to that point. I couldn't wait to get to Eccleston's regeneration, and now the next point is Love of Monsters. Yeah, I feel like Love of Monsters, in a way, is kind of a highlight of this series. And like, even Yeah, it's a... I mean, we'll say what we think about all the monsters when we get to it. But also, what I'm I will looking say is, I am trying. I haven't told Harry this yet. I am in talks with a guest to come on who is involved in this episode. Oh. I won't say any more of who Ooh. they played or if they were a cast or crew or catering or anything like that. So you'll have to wait and see. I can't believe we're getting Peter K on the show, you guys. <laughs> Imagine if it was. How how embarrassed you would look. Well, why would I'm I gonna be try now. I'm gonna ask him. I'm gonna send his I'm gonna find his agent's email and I will be sending that email later today. I mean, does it hasn't Peter K said stuff about other monsters since Yeah, he doesn't like it. Oh we'll, 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 we'll talk about it in the next episode. Yeah. Um, There's a lot to say about other monsters. What what um I forgot to do the Instagram thing that I always forget to do, where I read out our Instagram followers' thoughts on the episode. Um, you can follow us on Instagram, of course. I think it's at bigger on the pod. Yeah, bigger on the pod. Uh, you can follow us there. I asked people what their thoughts on these two episodes were. I'm surprised we've got quite little, not as many responses as we normally get. I think people's opinion on this episode is that it's mainly just okay, so there isn't that much to say. Um, Trenzalor Archive says, I love the whole God complex thing, but the second part drags out. Um, Sam Lanter says they're okay, but very overrated in my opinion. So yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. I guess I'm in the minority when it comes to this episode. Uh, no, I've got a few friends who really enjoy the, these two parts as well. Hmm. Um, recommend some stuff. Let's do that. Before I go, I just want to tell you you were fantastic. Yeah, sure. What do sure. you have? To, what do you have to recommend, Harry? Do you have anything, or do you want me to go first? You go first while I kind of browse um, my brother's DVD collection. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to recommend a podcast by Richard Herring 
Um, it's based, I, I, the name completely escapes me. I believe it's Richard Herring Live at the London Theatre or something. And basically, uh, just let me have a quick look. I want to get the name right. Richard Herring Podcast. What's it called? Richard Herring's Lie, uh, R-H-L-S-T-P. Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Uh, basically, he has some really great comedians on there. Bob Mortem has been on there. David Mitchell, Greg Davies, Ramesh Ranganathan, Steve Coogan, just some really good British comedians. Um, you might know Richard Herring. He's on the current series of Taskmaster on Channel 4. Um, he's quite known just for being a comedic writer. And I'm trying to find what else he might have done that people might be familiar with. Um, yeah, he's on Taskmaster. Um, yeah, uh, comedian. Richard. He's also from Pocklington, which isn't too far from where... Uh, wow. we live or oh, where we were brought yeah born. I've walked that down well done you have walked in the footsteps of Richard Herring I mean I'm presuming Richard Herring has walked Pockington Canal probably oh, it's a good walk it's a good what, walk what do you want to recommend Harry <laughs> I'm going to recommend Pockington Canal no <laughs> um, I mean I could are we allowed to recommend walks? I feel like that's no. <laughs> um, imagine. I you really recommend want to now, don't you? going out. I recommend going out for a good walk in the country um, as a hobby, sort of, just something I do with. I've always done um, is go for walks. We went for a few walks over lockdown. Yeah, I mean, I imagine a lot of people have been walking over lockdown. Like, I saw a friend today, and we just kind of walked about a lot. Um, but, like, you know, uh, look into local walks in your area or just out of your area. You know, Great Britain, there's a lot of uh, pretty all right countryside. Find what, some walks. What if people don't live in Great Britain, Harry? If you don't live in Great Britain, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there's countryside in the US, right? Or in um, France or Spain. Or... No idea. Is that your recommendation this week? You're recommending go outside for a walk? I don't know. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. Is that your recommendation or do you actually have one you would like to recommend? I ironically do recommend recommend a good walk. Like, you know, it like clears your head. Uh, You can just kind of like let things like... It's great. It's great for the mind. You can listen to a podcast as well. While going for a walk, yeah. Or just plug some music in. No, a podcast. This one. Yeah. Listen to this podcast on a walk. Yeah. Um, if okay. anyone's listen- <laughs> listening on a bench right now, like Maybe. on a bench countryside. I would quite uh, like to know where people listen. You- yeah, here's a shout out to all you bench listeners, um, all you walk listeners. Let us know where you're listening to this podcast now. <laughs> okay. So if you want to get in touch with us and tell us where you listen to this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at Bigger on the Pod, YouTube, Bigger on the Inside Podcast, acastshows.acast.com forward slash Bigger on the Inside. Leave us a five star review on iTunes. Email us, Bigger on the Inside Pod at gmail.com or on Instagram as well as mentioned, um, Bigger on the In, Bigger on the Pod or Bigger on the Inside Pod. Uh, I did say it and I've forgotten it again, Harry. Uh, bigger on the Pod. Yeah, it's no. bigger on the pod, so go give us a follow. I'm often asking questions to fill the lonely void that is my life. Oh, still, Gee, that not, sucks. still not over Little Mix. It's been a real downer this episode for me. I feel like I would have yeah. enjoyed these two episodes. Was Jesse your favourite? No, not really. 
Who's your favourite little mix member? I don't, I don't know any of them. One of them called Perry. I think one of them's called Perry. Uh, I could maybe name two. Um, oh yeah, I could name Jesse and Perry, but now I guess I can only name Perry. And then there's one called Jade as well, and I think the other one's called Anne or Lee or Lee or Lee Ann. <laughs> Oh, okay. There well, we the go. as we know all the mix. Um, to, the two song? individually were rubbish, but together we are the ultimate Little Mix fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks I for listening. To... <laughs> I'm not doing a riff about Little Mix anymore. I'm calling Maybe it five. off. Next week we should do our top five favorite Little Mix songs. You know, Black Magic. Um, Move. Do they have a song Move? Probably. Yeah. Shout out to my ex. That's a that's a that's an all right one. Uh, it's a positive, feel good breakup song. We need more of those. We need more feel good songs. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you again next week. I'll say goodbye. Bye bye, everybody. Harry, do you want to say bye bye? Bye bye. Podcast scans detect you are not subscribed. The Daleks order you to subscribe. Resistance is futile. Failure to subscribe will lead to extermination. Seek. Locate. Subscribe.